It's the Redirect Podcast. Search industry research, discussion, and analysis from the Black Truck Media and Marketing Headquarters. And now, redirecting you to the Black Truck Team. And welcome to another edition of the Redirect Podcast. It's Friday, June 9th. And we just got back from spending a few days in Boston for Search Love Boston 2017, put on by the team from Distilled. So here to discuss with me are team members from Black Truck Media. Uh, it's myself, Jason. I have Patrick and Ashley joining me again today. And we're going to run through kind of some of our key takeaways from the event, uh, things that stood out from us, and um, I guess really things that maybe we learned, things that weren't on our radar before. So, um, Patrick or Ashley, do you guys want to start off? Well, one of the first sessions of the first day was with D, um, Dana Di Tommaso, and she was discussing engagement as um, <clears throat> I, I I lost the. Did you lose your train of thought? Yeah, I lost my train of thought. But um, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> and engagement. Um, okay, so optimize for engagement. Future proof your local search rankings. So her session was focused on local search and increasing engagement. Um, I liked the pointers that she gave about using um, the exact location. Um, adding those to your appointments in Google mm-hmm. Calendar mm-hmm. so that um, you can track when people are finding um, where you are through those links and um, including even your link to on Google Maps in your email signatures and, and tracking that. Um, I just really liked how she was talking about the engagement of... <laughs> I'm just stumbling today, apparently, but you guys can feel free to jump in. No, I think I think you make a good point. You know, the the part where that that Dana really picked up on was well, it was local search marketing. It was more um, her her biggest point that she touched on was spamming is huge in the local mm, market right yes. now and review spam. So she had posted, and I saw it on Twitter too before the before the event. It was like there were a hundred Starbucks that got reviewed and they were all reviewed by the same individual and they were all like four star or five star reviews. Um, clearly that individual did not visit a hundred Starbucks and that's not a, a legitimate thing, but it's happening right now. Right. They were all over too. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah all yeah. over the world. Right. They weren't just like LA Starbucks. They were right. Yeah. I'm looking at the map right now right. all across the U S yeah. Oh, it was just U S and, and Google's not really, I don't think anybody came out and said Google's really doing anything about it. Um, but I think where she was going is yeah. um, kind of what you were trying to touch on <laughs> was your personal Google timeline, which is Google tracking you, which I didn't realize this until Dana mentioned it. And then Monday night I got lost in multiple Uber ride shares trying to settle up on a bill from dinner the night before <laughs> that we don't have to discuss. But... I noticed on there, it told me in my Google map, in my, you know, that I had been there the night before Mm -hmm. and you were here yesterday. So, um, a lot of times the, the reason that people are missing popular times based on their maps, 
uh, is that a user doesn't have that enabled on their phone or they don't realize it. But that's that's how the popular times is coming up is because it's tracking your mobile data, your phone data, to say that, hey, Patrick was here at 6 p.m., Jason was here at 3 p.m., and they kind of start to lump that data mm. together to show when it's popular. It's not... It's not based on any other data than people who are physically there that have their right. phones on them. Right. And there's no other way to do it. What I thought interesting about that whole ordeal, too, is the combination of what we learned in that, that session versus what you personally experienced later that night trying to get across town to the proper place. Um, which was horrible. Which was horrible. <laughs> so when you got there, your phone said, you've just got, you were just here last night. Pissed me off. And <laughs> it was a place in Boston that had, like, it was a one-off standalone restaurant that had maybe two other businesses named similarly, mm-hmm. if not the exact same yeah. thing in yeah. the, in the downtown area. <clears throat> why why didn't it tell you you didn't it say do you want to go to the one you went to last night? Or you uh, know that I felt that was really a, a fail point in in the Google. Um, my my Google process the experience the well I mean it could have been it could have been clearly it was I think there was a lot of user error in there too so to back up remember I got new phones so I'm a Pixel XL <laughs> user now so um, I just set that up essentially Friday night Saturday yeah. we flew out on Sunday <laughs> right and so I really didn't I I'm not gonna say I didn't really know but I really didn't know what I was probably getting into and I don't I didn't have the Google personal assistant stuff really set right. up I do have some of it set up now to, to play with it a little bit more um, had I known that maybe right maybe I would have been able to recall that mm-hmm. even but I will say even on a local search level or even uh, assistant assisted learning or machine learning assisted side um, even Uber didn't tell me the exact location because Uber didn't exactly know where it was picking us up from. Right. So I wonder if that also goes back to our Google Map issues right. as right. well. Yeah, when um, actually you didn't join us for the actual dinner in question here, um, but when me, you, and the rest of the crew, Jason, were walking around trying to find it, we walked past it twice. Twice, yeah. Because it was a small joint without signage. It was a local so hotspot. They probably don't have a Google, an official Google I, I don't business. Think, uh, I don't think that's even on, on their radar considering yeah. the size right. of it. Right. And I mean, our office is larger. Our office is twice the size our of this restaurant. Our room is the same size. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was fantastic food, but we got lost getting there and yeah. Yeah. and I clearly got lost having to go right. back. So I, I was more of your Google assistant in that yeah. situation. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we were texting. <laughs> yeah. Totally. But I, I think that I really, I really, I've, I've heard uh, Dana speak twice and I really like her approach. She's very much this no BS approach, and um, she's very much in that local search space. and And how do you create better engagement? And uh, you know, are your you're emailing your customers or individuals who have been there, but is that data even interesting? Mm-hmm. And is it consistent? And or are you just spamming everyone for reviews? Mm-hmm. You know. So um, I thought that that was really uh, really good stuff. So. Um, can I jump in? Yeah. Uh, this presentation I thought was great was uh, day two, Jeremy Gottlieb. Oh, Gottlieb. Goodness, yeah. I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right. Probably slaughtering his name. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he did a discussion on uh, did politics break the internet or did the internet break politics? Mm. And he focused his presentation <clears throat> upon the, um, the way in which digital and online marketplace for fundraising has changed 
from the year 2000 and on and how the groundbreaking efforts, I believe it was, was it um, the McCain camp raised a million dollars in the year 2000 online? Something like that. Just, I, I honestly did not yeah. take a lot of notes from that because yeah. I was just, I was very yeah. awestruck yeah. at yeah. the data that he was yeah. presenting and I, I, I thought have, it was fantastic. I don't have any notes either on it. You know, it's one, that was a technical issue. Two, I was so enthralled by it that I remember it all, but it's, <laughs> so it was like $1 million dollars in the year 2000 for safe monetary transactions. Think about how the internet worked in the mm-hmm. year 2000, mm-hmm. especially for a fundraising thing where you're not exchanging it for a product like Amazon style. Mm-hmm. Just, you're giving away money. Okay, so then fast forward down the years, did a really nice timeline, but then he broke in the year 2016 in the way the Trump marketing team <clears throat> used targeting and um, the proper, not proper, but it highly advanced... Um, call it propaganda to present um, <laughs> to present the right image to the right viewer mm-hmm. while they're reading it. And there was small private parties working on their own and just the, through, through public domain, through the thing, data he could find, he painted a picture that was pretty glib um, with how the Trump marketplace dominated all the other marketplaces mm, to get mm-hmm. himself to rise to the top. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing uh, was not on the up and up. It was all common practice the way to do it, except for the whole part that took place in Morocco. That was kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but um, he used Trump as the example, but you can take that whole approach and use it anywhere in the marketplace to go after any competitor mm. when you're working on a big global marketplace or um, even on the national front here in the U.S. If you have massive competitors out there and if you have the team and the money to back this campaign, it was crazy how much targeting you could do on that mm-hmm. to really paint everyone else in a bad light and make yourself rise to the top. It was just... It was almost scary. I mean, yeah. it is scary. I mean, look yeah. what happened out of it, you know? And um, it it seemed like with that presentation, it, it's not that the wool has been over my eyes, but it pulled the wool off my eyes to show that um, we're going into a, a place now with the internet that the world has never seen. And every <laughs> single day, we're going to see something that we've never seen before with this process. Yeah, you sure. Know? It's like, we just saw this craziness with with 2016 and there's all this talk with 2018 getting ready to happen. I think everything that we've learned through this, the advance of this campaigning with 2016, we're going to see it in 2018, but when is that going to trickle down? Mm-hmm. When is that going to trickle down to the rest of the marketplaces and the other um, e-commerce that's out there and how is it going to be mm-hmm. used? When is it going to go out of the world of spam and spam email and hacks and, and the cookies here, cookies there, a little pixel there, a little pixel here? At some point, it's going to be, air quote, used for good, you know, and what is that going to do? And Yeah, and I guess I guess the other side of the party would tell you that it was used for good. Right. You know, so to not, to not show uh, biases at all, but I think what I took away from it, I found that really, I found that really, really fascinating. What, what my big takeaway from what, what Jeremy had to, Kind of put out there in his entire slide deck was, is that we we know that data is available right at, at such a granular level, but it's the sheer um, 
approach that was taken, uh, the scalability that took place, mm-hmm. you know. So if we take digital marketing as a whole, social, search, paid media, and and look at when things really, really started, you know, kind of the first quote-unquote digital campaigns took place, like mass digital mm-hmm. campaigns would have been with the Obama uh, um, administration back in 2008, to now... It's the hyper-focused targeting that is available. And the fact that the Trump campaign was able to do it, they were able to do it and scale it at the size that they did mm-hmm. um, is purely fascinating. Whether you mm-hmm. whether you like that party, like that individual, yeah. that we're not here to talk about that, but yeah. um, it's just fascinating the fact that they could take that model, replicate it, kind of this, uh, um, you know, wash, rinse, repeat, to multiple markets, multiple angles, connect with with the individuals they needed to, and never have to be in front of them. Right. Like never have to be in front yeah. of them to influence them. Yeah. That's that's the crazy yeah. part, right? And, yeah. I, and I think to your point, that's only going to grow. Right. Um, but I also think that the majors, uh, Google, Facebook, Microsoft, are going to also um, work diligently to help curb some things that maybe um, they they're not. They're not very proud of a lot of the right. fake news and things like that kind of right. outside of, of paid it's, media. It's one of those things that I've always said, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm relatively young in this game in about five years now. And um, the stuff I learned that was the proper way to do it in 2011, 2012, <clears throat> we can't touch with a 10 foot pole anymore because uh, advances come, then... Um, things get pushed and shoved mm-hmm. and manipulated and this and next thing you know um, the rules change a little bit it's like yeah yeah well we didn't really mean you can do do that you you should do this a little bit more on the up and up and then so they close that door and the next thing you know that that gets manipulated and it's I think that was in this case it happened to be using the example of the 2016 election you know um, but it could be used in any facet of the marketing world. Well, and as marketers, aren't we key manipulators of data anyways? 100%. I mean, you know, going, I think, tie that back into, you know, day day one with Ross Simmons talking. Ross is a fantastic presenter. I think very brilliant guy. Um, but talking about how distribution rules everything. So content isn't necessarily king, mm-hmm. right? You can have crap content and have an extremely extremely dialed in distribution model to get mm-hmm. your to get your content out there to get your word out there and and it'll it'll have legs right we'll just tie that back into campaigns and mm-hmm. and just kind of table that right we'll right. just kind of leave it there you, right. as long as you have good distribution you're gonna have crap content yeah mm-hmm. um but I, I think what he said too is is where where's your audience at and finding those passionate people so in the political world did they do that did they look at those at those passionate individuals for both sides of the party right mm-hmm. and and try and exploit is probably not the proper term to use in politics mm-hmm. but did they use them did they use them as social currency um yeah absolutely but how do they you know how do they take those Facebook groups and how do they take those those audiences that are available in social and target them more in, in a more detailed fashion that has never been done before? So mm-hmm. um, that's that's what I took away from that. But um, uh, Ross had some really, you know, he had some really great points. Um, more so about are you, you know, are you getting your distribution out there and really engaging in the, 
in conversation with the people that that actually do care and that's something we talk about often like mm-hmm. are we creating content just to create content are we creating content that resonates with an audience and then what do we do with it after mm-hmm. yeah and not being individuals that are in the social media space from a, a community management perspective outside of ourselves meaning we're not um that's not actively on our radar all the time um that still all makes sense right mm-hmm. i mean it still all makes sense to create genuinely good content that will resonate with your audience that they want to read, share, that type of thing. Yeah. Providing real value. Yeah. I'm looking at my notes from this (laughs) session. Perfect. Yeah. That was my big, I guess that was my big thing from, from Ross and to tie back to what, what you were talking about, Patrick on that. Um, the big one for me, I I think out of day one that I, I highlighted a lot of notes on was I really enjoyed, it was uh, Matthew Barbie. Uh, so his, his talk was uh, subject unlocking authority. So bridging the gap between architecture and UX. So, um, and maybe it resonated with me because that's something that we've been talking about a lot lately. So I'm probably hyper-focused on it and I don't even, excuse me, I don't even remember where Matthew was from. Is he part of the distillery? Oh, it's from HubSpot. You don't remember that accent? (sighs) Man, so many, so many accents. Um, um, so obviously from the HubSpot side of things, there's, there's, uh, I'm not going to say that they have a bias, but they definitely have a bias. Um, it was very interesting that he focused maybe less necessarily on just the content side of things, but also talked more, uh, in depth on improving internal links, mm. but, and, and how to implement good internal link strategies and, and when do you do that? Like, what's the signal? Um, how do we look at the URLs that have maybe high levels of impressions, but maybe the average position or ranking is low or a big number? Um, so how do you utilize that, that data to then help uh, create your internal link strategy that, that, that then bolsters up those lower, um, those lower authoritative pages, which is, you know, that's nothing new, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we've done that for, for years here. Um, and it's certainly a tactic that works, but right. I think it does have to have a strategy behind it. I really liked he pointed out that um, you really need to find the dead ends within your architecture mm-hmm. and fix that. And that's so key. I mean, you can have a, a beautiful website, but if the architecture of it is horrible, meaning you have to go down four halls to get to where you actually want to go, or you hit a dead end, that's just... That's just poor usability yeah. from an architecture standpoint. Yeah. It doesn't have anything to do with design. That's one of my favorite things to pick apart on a site. Right. You know, it's finding a way. How does this work? Mm-hmm. You know, we have that conversation all the yeah. time where we'll be working on a client and you'll hear one of us just go, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, shouldn't, I think I read somewhere, shouldn't it be, with people should be able to find what they're looking for on your website within two clicks. That's, hmm. the, that's. Yeah, I think I think at a at a max, right? Yeah. I mean, at a max, two two clicks. Mm-hmm. You know, we know our attention span is extremely short. Um, Lexi Mills even talked about it at, at uh, Search Love. Um, it's like goldfish. Goldfish has a, a higher attention span than we do. So if you can't deliver me what I want when I want it, you know, right now, I'm I'm out. So yep. um, he and he. Uh, Matthew offered up two great tools. I've, I've had the opportunity to check them out. Uh, Sitebulb mm-hmm. or Botify. 
to help map out what your so basically what is your internal linking graph or structure look like and and I think it's probably helpful for more um, maybe more non technical or mm-hmm. non SEOs to to get an idea of what does mm-hmm. that internal link structure look like and basically get out of the spreadsheet for a moment uh, to do a site map I think I think that that spreadsheets are absolutely horrible tool for doing site maps. But I also think that mind maps are absolutely horrible for doing a site map mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you can effectively map out a site with bullet points, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, and I think that Sitebulb and Botify help to do that in a very nice, mm-hmm. whether it's hierarchical or or just kind of flow chart esque way. So, um, this my that was a big thing for me on day one there. That was great. Right. Who else really stuck out to you? Actually? I really enjoyed or Patrick. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, matter. Go ahead. Okay, I really enjoyed Christy Hulse. Oh um, yeah, she was the uh, content marketing. Um, her biggest thing was content outreach. Um, you know, we hear we've heard a lot of stuff in the news or in, in you know the, mm-hmm. the industry news. Um, how guest blocking is dead, and it's in Google is, is penalizing on those kind of things lately. But she was really pushing it, and her approach was different and fresh, and I really liked it. Uh, the thing that struck me the most was where she said she had gained, she was much a, a large market where multiple news sources were, were relevant for her client size, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but she had a whole staff of journals, journalists in her back pocket that she has relationships <laughs> with right. from al- publications across the, the globe where she can just one-on-one email with them real quick and say, hey, I got this thing. I think you should write about it. Um, and it was long-term relationship yeah. building. And the part that really kind of floored me was she's like, yeah, I pay them. I pay them to I, I pay them for their time and I pay them to... Not to cover the stories no, that no. she's looking right, for. Right, right. covered, yeah. But just to... to but, yeah. And that's a really great point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really... This isn't a paid, like, right, no. hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slip you some dollars. Right. Can you yeah. cover my story? Okay, that's right. Not, right. But just, like, um, it... It was, uh, it's something that I've always struggled with. It's something I've worked with in the past. I've been shut down before. Um, I've tried both ways of being upfront that I'm with an agency and I'm representing this business. I've tried it the other way where I've been like, no, I work for this business. I'm not an agency. And, you know, I've had failings with both and successes with both. And um, years ago, I kind of gave up on that. And I'm kind of excited to give it another whirl again with a, a fresh approach and to see if that can find yeah. something to be to beneficial be beneficial on that so yeah that was more I think it was more along the lines of helping her understand um, like best practices for reaching out to journalists and and mm-hmm. I, I don't have my I don't have the notes in front of me um, I guess I I was live tweeting the event and <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch everything um, but I think but where where I think you're going is that she really encouraged everyone to, and probably her words were, think laterally. So um, it's the notion that we're always operating, uh, we're always operating within our niche or within our market. But like, in order to get noticed, the content that you're creating has to be really, really good. Because whether you're known or not, it's almost like, oh, you saw nuts and bolts. Woohoo. So do these guys mm-hmm. and these guys and that guy and this guy. So it's like, how are you really going to stand out? And 
And while she was a little abstract with some things, it was like, you know, try and find topics that are in your subconscious mind and research them. Like, that was a little far off in La La Land for me, but I could get where she was going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in order to come up with those really next level or what some might refer to as like 10x content, um, you really have to think out there a bit. Yeah. I found, going back to Patrick, what you were talking about, um, she, yeah, she was very open about paying journalists um, to help with feedback on content, um, strategy advice, and um, some, like, press releases, like, tweaking press releases. So um, I, with, like, my PR background, I just was, wanted to jump on that. of like, she's not paying them to cover the stories that no, she wants yeah. to, uh-huh. <laughs> to get paid. You're right. As soon but, as you jump in, like, oh, yeah, where did that go? <laughs> that sounded bad, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. What, uh, what, was your, what was your take then, too, on, on Lexi's conversation? So Lexi Mills talking about filter bubbles. And yes. you and I had a kind of sidebar conversation about was it you had always you'd always kind of studied or heard about people trying to get was it get out of filter bubbles but never yes. getting into filter yes. bubbles which she was very much like no 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 screw you guys <laughs> we're gonna go into filter bubbles yes. right so uh, uh, kind of going back to what we were discussing earlier too going back to um, just 2016 and everything that happened online in 2016 um, it something that came out of everything with the uh, presidential campaign is that these filter bubbles exist online and people get stuck in them. Um, And, you know, that's not great because we don't get to see life outside of these filter bubbles that we've mostly unknowingly created for ourselves. And so, yeah, Lexi was discussing leveraging those filter bubbles and finding ways to use them to our advantage. Um, So people who are in... um, I believe, was she discussing Facebook groups? I think a few different people mm-hmm. were discussing mm-hmm. Facebook groups. This is actually but, quite a bit of discussion yeah. around yeah. Facebook groups, the yeah. whole, the whole yeah. of that. Yeah, so just using the fact that those bubbles exist to um, get your clients in, in front of people um, in those arenas. So that was a really yeah. fascinating take of, of um, go, what you said, Jason, is like, going into those filter bubbles. Those filter bubbles, another way of saying it, like I think, it, it, I like the phrasing of filter bubble, but I think what we've been used to hearing it is called is curated content. Oh, sure. You know, yeah. it's, it's your, your Facebook feed, you know, you've all, in the last 18 months, I'm willing to bet that you blocked a couple of people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah, so you're creating your filter bubble. That's a great you know, point. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's curated content. Same thing with like your Instagram feed, you know, it's like you have a select type of industry or picture or style that you want to keep in your Instagram feed. You know, that's curated content. You're in it. Suddenly there's a world happening outside your curated content that you're not privy to because that's not the kind of stuff you put in front of you. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like you pick up a newspaper and there's objective news across the industry, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. whereas you pick up your Facebook newsfeed and it's just what you want to read. Yep. You know, it's well, I think it is. uh, So, her big statement kind of to, to tie that all back together was we're no longer hacking algorithms, but we're hacking humans. Yeah. And that's very much the case is like the algorithm is going to show you more of the humans based off of a, uh, of a would be filter bubble, but that's something that you don't like right. anymore for right. some odd reason. And so then you unfollow, unfriend, whatever block. And, and so you're, you're actually, you're actually hacking the human side of it yeah. versus 
versus yeah. the algorithm of what the algorithm is trying to tell you. So make, make your content fit into that bubble and then break the bubble from the inside out. Yeah. yeah. And I love one of her concluding statements was um, to open up your filter bubbles, per, like personally as marketers and as people. Um, she had this line up on her slide of aiming for greater understanding as opposed to greater separation. And so I just think that that's a really um, quality statement to make. <laughs> it's, you know, it's so, so very, very close, very recent. We had just talked about people that have like fake personas on Facebook. Yeah. And how if you work in digital media, especially if you work in digital media of any sorts, PR, search, whatever, like, why are you just, why are you not using your real name? Like, what are you afraid of? What are you hiding? What do you, I mean, let's be real. Like, if somebody wants dirt, they've already got it on you. <laughs> so you might as well build your own personal yeah. brand as well and mm -hmm. and keep that going. But Lexi even said that. Is. She said she previously had a uh, two profiles, one for basically what she called, did she say like cyber stalking or, or, or what? Did, she said she had one profile <clears throat> on Facebook for X and then mm -hmm. her main profile for Y. But then after a while she's like, yeah, what's the point? And yeah. she just did it all it under her main profile. Seems like a lot of work. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, think about it. How many, how many times do you see someone creeping up on your LinkedIn profile? Well, at what point do you react and go, oh, hey, Pat. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, wait, seriously, like at what point do you just reach out and be like, all right, look, do yeah. you want to meet for coffee or yeah. not? So why did you just like 20 of my pictures? Exactly. Yeah, this isn't awkward at all, Instagram. And another thing from uh, Lexi's presentation that I thought was very interesting was how um, they she had done a PR campaign for a word related to a client's prod product um, ahead of that product launching. And so raising awareness of that, um, of that word. So it was on people's radar. And then when the product launched, it was, you know, people were much more receptive mm -hmm. to it. I thought that was a very interesting, very interesting, um, especially cause the word is, was not well known, which is why it was brilliant to do a, a campaign yeah. around that. Um, it was bandicoot. So <laughs> as in crash bandicoot. Yes. As in crash bandicoot. I thought that was a really cool play. And that can backfire, too, I, I, I think. Oh, my gosh, yeah. 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 Like, okay, why? Who cares? But it worked, so that was cool. I found uh, April Dunford. I found her uh, talk to be really, um, really great. It's basically mm -hmm. solely non-SEO related, which is fantastic. I think it's a great way to break that up. Yeah. But... You know, it was really, um, so using context to track, uh, to transform your offering from crap to compelling, right? So it's that whole notion of, so background, April works with or has worked with a lot of startups and kind of going through, some might call their elevator pitch, some might call their, you know, what's their unique selling point or unique value proposition, what are they bringing to the table? So, um, you know, Every time she said something that's almost like every slide I could picture myself when I was going back through and just kind of refining even uh, who Black Truck was mm -hmm. over the past eight or nine yeah. years and finally getting to the point of saying to people, no, we don't build websites. Mm. 
You know, it even says it on the back of our business card now. <laughs> we, we, we make websites better for search and users because ultimately that's what we do. We're not here to build websites. Uh, we're not here to design logos, uh, any of that. Mm-hmm. We're really here to make sure that, that websites, uh, whether they move up rank, increase uh, traffic from search, um, and then ultimately get people to do what we want them to do. It was like going through that, at least from my perspective, from like a business owner's perspective, made me feel like I was a little refreshed, like, ah, Ah, good. I'm not the only idiot that has had to go through that. And, I, you know, for me, I went through it alone. Mm-hmm. I didn't have somebody like her saying, hmm, guys, like, wait a minute here. These aren't just, like, robots that move crap right. around. Like, these are these mm-hmm. are autonomous vehicles for your warehouse, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was really cool. So I, I found her extremely, extremely fascinating. <laughs> so. She was such a good storyteller. Uh, she told the story about selling, um, trying to sell a database project. And during one of the pitch, the pitches to a potential vendor, it's like, no, no, I get it. You're, you're not a database. You're, you're analytics. And I thought she was going to come back and say something like, and the name of that product, Google Analytics. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or something along those lines. Because she was a, such a good storyteller. Yeah, that was really good. <clears throat> All right, anybody have anything else? Final takeaway? I just... The, the sum of the whole... Uh, Test. Test, uh, test, mm-hmm. test. Yeah, yeah, that's a really a, great point. Don't mm-hmm. be afraid to throw stuff at a wall. And paid and organic, right? Paid, paid and organic. organic. Yeah, and like yeah. Give, give the, be patient with your tests and um, let, your, let your people know up front that like this is going to be an experience. We're going to see what we can do um, by seeing what fails. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really great. Have a framework for it, mm-hmm. you know, so that everyone on your team, uh, including so if your agency side, agency side client understands that framework and, and how you're going to go about it. Um, if you're in agency, you know, your, your team members understand that. Um, and, but if you're in-house and you're working with a particular brand or, or store or something like that, I think you need to have a testing framework internally as well because you have multiple constituents and people that need to be reported to and they need to understand how this may or may not affect them as well so before you jump in testing i agree test but document uh have have some hypotheses outlined you know if we do x we will get y what does that all look like mm-hmm. but yeah really great underlying point really mm-hmm. kind of from start to finish mm-hmm. i mean even ending with will's uh, kind of freak out of uh, uh, of uh, machine learning and the coin flip, the coin flip, oh. and it was kind of scary. So, uh, so Will Will went through it, uh, kind of an interactive scenario uh, with all the attendees of Distilled going through. Uh, here's the keyword phrase that that we're searching for, and what is it? You know, what what's your opinion? Which which site? ranks higher right and we got all the factors domain authority um url you know, url overall size we, you had you had the basics and um it was interesting to see how far it came down to um i'm happy to say that we were actually in the uh, second to the last group to go out <laughs> so I, I felt pretty pretty positive yeah. about that until will flips a coin at the end and says eh Really, a coin flip is actually more accurate than anybody in this room, and that was kind of a, a humbling, a humbling 
moment. And really, that the last example, you know, pick A or B. It, I, I honestly was like, I don't know. I'm yeah, I wasn't gonna, sure. I'm I wasn't gonna, sure. I'm just gonna pick an arm to raise. Well, that's why testing is so important yeah. then, because you you can't predict, you know, what will work. So why not try different things? And there's a lot of. I think we can all agree that there's a lot of. Um, turbulence. I almost said turmoil. Turmoil is not the right the right <laughs> word. But there's a lot of turbulence within mm-hmm. the the search community right now with machine learning and the fact that no, we really don't know what the the bots are going to do. Air quotes bots are going to do next. And um, and you just have to be prepared. And you have to always. Yeah, this. It's just. I think it further. Um, solidifies the fact that you constantly need to be testing, you constantly need to be working and updating your site. Mm-hmm. You know, these things are living, breathing yes. things, entities, uh, both organic, paid, social, all of these digital elements mm-hmm. are living, breathing things, and you have to constantly be working them and constantly be testing them, and, and it's 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 a constant uh, battle. And so... With that, <laughs> now that we freaked everybody out who's listening, um, I think that we will leave it to that and then, uh, you know, tune into the next show and we will dive into more industry trends, tactics, strategies. Uh, until then, good luck and you'll hear from us again soon. Thanks. This has been the Redirect Podcast. Check out the show notes at blacktruckmedia.com and add us on iTunes and Stitcher.